everybody. Welcome to the Kind Cody podcast. Today I've got the pleasure of being joined by a very inspirational man. It's Dan Cross. How are you today, Dan? I'm good. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Yeah, good. And for anyone that doesn't uh, know you, I am. Um, I I came across Dan through an audiobook actually through Ollie Ollieton's uh, Breakpoint book. You were you were mentioned in the end of that. Uh, and if you don't know from that, he was also on a TV show called SAS Who Dares Wins um, and made appearances on This Morning. But for anyone that isn't aware of you, Dan, why don't you tell some uh, some people your your story of what happened in 2015? Yeah, so um, just to uh, put it briefly, you know, um, I was I was married, uh, two children. Um, you know, you're, you're pretty much your average British family. Um, I'd work long hours um, in the IT industry. My wife had a stay at home job where she would um, make things and sell them on eBay and uh, and on Facebook and on her website that she did. She was a very crafts orientated person, very arty. Um, so, you know, we were a typical British family, you know, um, working long hours, you know, um, two young kids running about the house. Um, and I was, I was pushing things in my, in my IT career. And part of that career meant that I had to travel to Hull every now and again from where I live in Hertfordshire, you know, Hull's a few hundred miles away, um, just to, you know, meet the teams up there because the company I was working for were uh, Hull based. So um, on the 14th of September, 2015, I went off to Hull early in the morning, about seven, uh, sorry, about 6am, um, was away working uh, that evening. And um, while I was away that, that night, um, um, a, a man broke into our house and, and killed my wife and um, abducted the children from their beds. A man with mental health problems, um, as you would imagine. Um, and yeah, and I witnessed the attack by being on the phone at the time it happened. So uh, left me suffering with a, a lot of problems with regards to mental health, you know, anxiety, depression, and uh, quite severe um, post-traumatic stress disorder. So um, not only was I in a bad way, but obviously my children, you know, um, six and three years old at the time, to be snatched from your bed by someone that's just killed your mum, you know, for them to have witnessed that um, goes without saying, they were extremely, extremely damaged for a while. Um, and they still are, you know, they're still on the road to recovery. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, it completely devastated our family, as you can imagine. Um, and yeah, that's kind of where my story began, really, that my experience with bereavement and my experience with mental health problems and, and trying to trying to come back from it. Yeah, um, I mean, it's it's a story I've um, I, I came across on the show, um, completely harrowing. Um, and this is what I mean by you being one of the most inspirational people that I've ever come across uh, to f because for anyone to go through that and to come out like you have on the other side, it's you know, it's testament to yourself and, you know, just a, a role model to people. Um, at Kind Cody, we're the, the I'm not sure if you're aware, uh, we're the world's first um, online mental health gym. Uh, and we have a real push behind mental health, um, general, you know, everything general fitness. Um, but as part of the podcast, and for me getting involved is I really want to, you know, remove some of the stigmas around um, mental health, especially in men, because, you know, as you know, it's, it's, you know, it's a silent thing, isn't it? You don't always hear about it. And some of the strongest men can suffer. And, yeah, like, you know, it's just, a, it's just an awful thing. Now, for you to get through that period, what were, what were some of the strategies that you used to really, you know, I know it's something you're, you know, you're, you're always working on, but what are some of the strategies you use to, you know, help your mental health, you know, throughout the period and still do, I imagine? 
yeah well initially uh, like you say you know um from what we think and we're still in society today we think a lot of strong men are um are the ones that just aren't talking about their their feelings and aren't talking about what's going on in their heads but um i was of that opinion immediately after nikki was killed i was aware of the trauma symptoms as soon as um two hours after uh, on the way back home in the police car in the back you know i was already suffering flashbacks and you know hearing noises that i'd heard conversation was replaying in my mind as if you know as if it was all taking place in the car next to me so i was aware of the trauma symptoms immediately um i was thinking about all the things all the men that were in my life that had dealt with bad things and whether this was as bad as what they had dealt with or whether i could cope with it on my own and i was looking to people like my granddad who was a he's um he's 95 years old now he's still strong as an ox um he's a world war ii d-day landings veteran um from the 6th of june 1944 he was one of the people that in, uh, invaded um sword beach and um he's wow. been through so much in his life you know through the war he's lost friends and uh, he only went around to fight in in, in japan or around the, on the uh, pacific side and after the war you know he nursed my nan through two bouts of of cancer the second one which eventually took her life and he never really opened up to anybody and, and shared anything yet he's managed to keep going and, and be level-headed mm. and you know whether it's a generational thing or not but i was looking to him as my kind of inspiration and could i be as strong as him by not not needing to lean on anybody else so i was kind of in that mindset originally but it probably was only about um six weeks after nikki had died and uh the flashbacks were getting worse you know a lot worse and i couldn't function day to day uh, and in that time period i'd i'd arranged some trauma counseling for my children immediately um because i'd read that the sooner you get this addressed in trauma the sooner it can um, start to have a you know a, an impact on the children to, to get better so I'd seen the impact it had on them and I just thought if I don't get myself sorted out um, I'm not going to be able to look after the kids I'm not going to be able to bring them up how I want to bring them up I'm not going to be able to focus on them so I need to get help myself and I just just this one one moment where I just said to the woman that was helping us through the practicalities of everything um, from the victim support service I just said look if I've got nothing to lose, you know, get me some trauma counselling um, and I'll see, see how it goes. I've got nothing to lose at this point. Um, so I, I stuck with it and, you know, it was probably only, a, I say 10 hours, but that's 10 weeks, 10 weeks later. So we're talking 16 weeks after the event, I suddenly started to develop control uh, processes where if the, if the flashbacks were popping into my mind, I would find ways to push them out. Right. I would find ways to focus on things so that I could bring myself back to the moment rather than rather than losing myself in in the flashback so I started to gain some control after about 16 weeks through the counseling um and that was a major thing for me um but the the flashbacks you know I still get them um I still get uh, bad dreams every now and again I still go through periods where the memories will be intrusive it's only that now you know I know how to cope with them I know I've learned how to deal with them um i can i can control it but um yeah that was very very tough but it was the biggest the best decision i ever made to get that counseling because it, it was the yeah. thing that set me on the path to recovery um further down the line from that um i was getting 
headaches and stomach aches constantly uh crippling like uh, i could you know doubled up in pain for stomach and uh, head, headaches where i couldn't see properly there were migraines um so i went to the gp and i said look you need to give me something for these stomach aches and and the headaches and he said yeah sure i can i can prescribe you what i think's wrong he said it's all to do with the buildup of stress hormones in your body he said, have you ever been a guy that goes to the gym? I said, yeah, you know, I used to go before Nikki uh, died. I, I used to go, you know, every single day, not without mm. fail, even on the weekends. He said, well, you need to get back doing it. He said, because that's the reason um, you're getting these, these, um, these physical problems. He said, because you're not getting rid of the stress hormones in your body. He said, no, mm. I can give you medication that will mask that. He said, but until you start to actually disperse this, this negative energy that's building up in your body, they won't go away. So I did, I went back to the gym and just did, you know, 20 minutes on the treadmill to start with, just yeah. a light jog. Um, I had the added pressure of, you know, I knew that if I was in the gym or if I was anywhere public, people would recognise me because of what it had been in the news and it, there was so much press attention locally about it. So <clears throat> I used to go really early in the morning when there was no one there or just after the school run. So, that, you know, it's barely anyone in the gym at that time of the day because everyone's at work. So, right, yeah. Um, I would just get that done 20 minutes. And then as I felt better with that, I would then sort of 20 minutes on the treadmill and then lift some weights afterwards. And it wasn't long. It's probably only a few weeks of doing that. And I noticed that I wasn't getting headaches anymore. So then mm. I stopped taking the medication for the stomach aches and I realized, and, and that had gone away too. So I, I realized there the benefit of exercise um, in helping me deal, helping my body be resilient from the stress it was under from yeah. my mental state. So that was where I really started to push myself into the um, into the physical exercise, and you know that's that's where I got to a point where I thought, you know, um, I'm going to apply for that stupid show on Channel Four and, <laughs> and give it a go. So I got back to a point where I was really fit, really healthy. I was still under a lot of mental strain, but um, I felt like I knew myself better yeah. for going through all of that and for understanding myself and understanding my limits. I just felt like a stronger person. I felt, I honestly felt like a reincarnation of myself, but stronger. Yeah. Um, so I was flying. I was absolutely flying at that point. Yeah, I was sad. Yeah, I was, um, you know, down. I was, I was grieving still. It seems funny to say that, that there was positivity in my life, mm. even, you know, even going through that time. So um, you do have to sort of think about those, um, those moments of positivity when, even when you're going through the bad stuff. So yeah it was a it was a difficult time um oh, it still is from time to time you know it still is from time to time um yeah. but yeah the, the physical exercise keeps me on the straight and narrow big time yeah so it, it almost seems like um you know with your initial apprehensions of counseling and, and throwing yourself into it i imagine that in those counseling sessions you probably verbalized a lot of your um your feelings that 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 you had at the time and it, you know just getting those thoughts out there you know that may have been somewhat as a, a subtle release that helped you along the track. And then obviously combining that with the transformative effects of exercise, you know, even for someone like myself going back to the gym today, you know, with, with them opening, it's April 12th for anyone listening. Um, yeah. Going back to the gym today, it's just incredible. The, the effects that exercise can have. And I suppose, you know, it, it transformed you to a point where you did apply for a TV show, you know, a TV show that I've watched on many occasions, you know, I've, I've listened, I've listened to all the audiobooks of, 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 of the guys on the show. I'm a big fan. I'm, I'm a big fan. What, what were you thinking at the time when you thought you wanted to apply for the show? Oh, it's, it's strange. We, we, um, we'd organized, um, a charity fund day locally 
um, in 2016. Well, my, my friends and family, or, or should I say my friends mainly, and, and the local community organised a fun day at a local football club where we played like a celebrities against local local team uh, <laughs> football match um, organised uh, by with Mark Bertram. He used to play for QPR and yeah. a few other celebrities that were involved. So the following, following year, I wasn't just a passenger in that. In 2017, I was kind of like... Um, I was one of the main organisers because, you know, I was back in a, a slightly more positive situation and uh, I wanted to be part of that charitable effort. And I was just sitting there in the morning before the um, before the fun day and I was just scrolling through these emails. And I, I think I went on Twitter and I was following Channel 4 and it said, SAS Who Dares Wins application is now yeah. open. It was right at the beginning of May in 2017. So I thought, oh, do you know what? I'm just going to go for it. I'd seen Ephraim from the series before on there talking about you know how he lost his son in afghanistan and then him putting him through that brutal course in the jungle i just thought yeah do you know what i'm gonna have a go i'm gonna have a go because I'm, I'm i'm on this path right now of, of positivity um I'm, I'm setting up this charitable service for kids in our area um, i'm helping people through the victim support service and i just thought it would be a good platform for me to talk to people that were going through similar things to me yeah um, and, and probably not feeling like they can come out the other side of it any a stronger person you know feeling like they're beaten because i know the guys on there they talked about their struggles um, with um, ptsd and combat fatigue all those kind of things but when we see these guys on telly these are like superhumans you know yeah. Yeah. ollie and, and and foxy and Ant, they're, they're all like these the the toughest of the tough and if you can go through SAS selection you must be a resilient guy mm. so i just wanted to show people out there that were watching that you can be a normal bloke like me go through the absolute hell of the worst thing you can imagine and come out the other side not just this person you were, but actually a stronger person. If you if you can yeah. find the strength and you can find the um the, the know how to control your feelings and 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 learn to get stronger, you can come out the other side somebody completely different. Yeah, I Better. mean, yeah. So it's almost like to prove something to yourself and also show other people out there that 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 you can go through, you know, trauma, tough things in your life, and there is a you know there is light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. Yeah, well, I, I wanted to go on there, obviously, for that reason, of course, to prove something to myself that I was back to being who I wanted to be. In fact, maybe I was this new guy that was even better than before. Um, but <laughs> I hadn't been away from the kids since it had happened. You know, I, I was I would never leave the kids alone in that period. And I didn't want to ever be away from them again. And I was fine until I got to the airport in Morocco and they right. took our phones away from us yeah and they took our phones away from us when we first got there and then I had no contact with the family so then I didn't obviously know if everything was right at home if the kids were okay all that sort of stuff and the anxiety inside me just started to build instantly um, and then the course didn't start for another couple of days you know we had to go there for orientation and fitness yeah. and all this other stuff and basically run us around in the in the searing heat in the desert just to <laughs> completely and utterly wear us out before we even got to camp you know wow. didn't give us any sleep all that sort of stuff so but by the time you get there you're knackered yeah uh, so yeah I, I i just i just felt like i was in the right place but to be fair it showed me that actually i wasn't quite ready you know mm. um i did i did get an injury i did get medical discharge but if I hadn't been feeling the way I was feeling in that camp, because I didn't sleep for five days, if I hadn't been so worried about the kids, I would have not let them kick me out. I'd have fought tooth and nail for them to, to, right, kick, yeah. to keep me in. Yeah. 
I'd have said, I don't care if my leg falls off, you know, um, just keep me in. But I was, I was actually happy when they withdrew me because I was so utterly caught up in anxiety and, and worry about the family. And just exhausted in general, I imagine. Completely, completely yeah. exhausted. So, I mean, that sounds like it's um, some of the, the lowlights of the show, of course. What were some of the, the highlights of your time uh, on the show in, you know, b- before you were discharged? Uh, first of all, it's, it's, the, it's the camaraderie of the other guys. Uh, yeah. They don't show a lot of that on the show, but, you know, you do have a lot, you know, you, you're being absolutely hammered a lot of the time, but then you do have, you know, a half an hour to an hour here and there in, in, in by your beds where everyone's just like having a relax and sorting your feet out and having a bit of a giggle and a laugh. And it, it kind of showed me how quickly you can bond with complete and utter strangers when you've got a common goal in mind, you mm. know? And although you're all kind of rivals, you're all best mates within two days, you know? Yeah. Even probably even quicker. Even if you, first, first day we boxed, we beat each other up basically for a few minutes. And I think that helped with the bonding side of it, you know? Yeah. Each other a good clout around here. That was great. <laughs> being, you know, being, being pushed out of a helicopter over a lake, um, and told that if you don't swim, you're going to drown. You know, if you don't swim for sure, you're going to drown. And that that was fun. That was great. Um, you know, abseiling, abseiling off that huge dam. That was amazing. Um, and just being a part of it, you know, it's such an unbelievable experience. Yeah. You don't see the crew. You just don't see them. So it doesn't feel like you're on a TV show. Yeah. You just see these remote cameras and they sneak in. At the, at the funniest of times to swap batteries over in your mic pack, you know, because you have to wear it around your neck the whole time. Yeah. And But you'd never see them. They're like ghosts. They're like SAS men themselves. So the, <laughs> all you feel is I am here alone with these SAS guys and these other 24 guys, 24 recruits. And it's, it's a brilliant feeling. It's mm. just to be part of it. You feel like you're, you feel like you're genuinely on a military selection, the way they treat you. Um, and I, I just loved every second of it in that respect. It was just, it was just the anxiety about being away from the kids that I hated. But the rest of it was just phenomenal. You can't buy an experience like that. No, it sounds, it sounds, uh, it sounds incredible. It's, um, you know, the fact that you even got, got to, you know, you know, jump off, you know, jump out of a, a helicopter over a lake. That's not something you do yeah. you know, every day. So, <laughs> right. just, you know, that's that's something to tell the kids about. You know, like that. You know, yeah. it's just, uh, it's crazy. Yeah, but you know. As I said, you know, in doing things like that on the show, that obviously you've then gone on on to um, uh, building your own charity, haven't you? Called uh, Strong Men, uh, and I've wrote yep. down the tagline just so I don't um, get this wrong. But the aim is to help men um, tackle the mental, emotional, and physical health conditions brought about by bereavement, which I think is an incredible mm-hmm. thing. You know, it's it's similar to what we do in terms of at Kai and Cody and looking to remove some of the stigmas around mental health. But why don't you tell some of the listeners uh, about Strong Men? Yeah, so as you said there, it's, it's to, to, to try and improve the lives of those that have, have lost loved ones, specifically, you know, men. Um, as, as men, we all know we're, we're pretty terrible about sharing our feelings. We've, we've been into that at the beginning of the show. Um, strong men is there because I, I never suffered with mental health issues prior to the death of Nikki. And then when I looked at it into it a bit further, but, you know, suffering a bereavement is one of the biggest causes of the onset of, of mental health issues alongside, you know, lots of other things. Yeah. Uh, but bereavement is one of the big factors. And it's not just, you know, it's somebody with that's going through mental health issues anyway, and then suffers a bereavement, it can completely exacerbate it. So mm. 
it's just something we never learn about at school. You know, you don't get taught how to grieve. Um, nobody talks about it ever. Um, and so you, the only chance you get to learn about it is maybe, you know, if you lose a pet when you're young, you, you understand what losses are like a little bit. Mm. Um, but you never get, you never learn about it. And it's one of those things you have to learn as you go. So I talked about some of the experiences that I'd had, you know, SAS Who Dares wins, that bond with, with strangers when you've got a common goal. And I did some training for victim support where I was with five other people that had all lost someone by murder. Uh, and you'd think two days in a room with 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 six people <laughs> that have all lost somebody by murder would be like a real somber affair, but actually, it was an absolute hoot. <laughs> you know, we we met each other, and because we all knew we were we were the same. Yeah, we it, it's a kind of feeling that you haven't had for a long time. Mm. When you lose somebody, specifically, you know, especially when you lose somebody like to murder, you you don't know anyone else that's that's like that. Yeah. So all of your all of your family and all your friends that are all rallying around you to support you, they don't, they're not the same as you anymore. You feel completely and utterly different. So mm. when you're back in a room with those people that have lost and they've lost similar ways to you, you know, it makes you feel normal again. You feel you feel like you belong and you feel like you yeah. feel normal. It's something else we've brought to strong men because that connection between two people that have have lost is is, is really powerful. So. Strong Men is a bereavement charity for men aged 18 and over. We have lots of different sort of uh, prongs to our uh, our attack on supporting men that have uh, lost people. So it's, you know, healthy body, healthy mind is one of our sayings. Um, wear your heart on your sleeve, which basically, you know, it's a metaphor for, you know, opening up and sharing yeah. what's going on emotionally. Um, and we do it by taking men away on a, on a weekend where we can we can meet. We can exercise together. We walk up a mountain. We have a social. We have a barbecue. We have a couple of pints on the Saturday night, you know, after with a good meal. And we, we just, you know, let everybody connect. And, and everyone turns up complete strangers on the Friday. And by the yeah. time they leave on the Sunday afternoon, everyone's best mates. It's that SAS Who Dares Wins yeah, effect. Yeah, yeah. Together. I was going to say, it sounds uh, like you've, you've taken that from the show and tried to implement that. in Absolutely. The Absolutely. So the things we've taken from our experiences, myself and Ephraim, is, you know, the connection between two people with a similar life experience, that that's priceless. You know, exercise um, is another thing that we put into it. The outdoors, so wilderness therapy, it's a huge thing in America. Um, they have these beautiful camps in all kinds of areas of yeah. the United States where they're, where they're veterans can go to deal with their PTSD and they can go for weeks at a time, completely funded. And they can just stay there until their mind is right, you know, riding horses, helping out on the farm, all that kind of thing. We just we knew we couldn't do that scale, but let's just do it in three days where we take people to Snowden and, and we let them see the beauty of, of North Wales. It's quite astounding. It's an, it's an amazing place. You get there, you get out your car and it's like uh, it's like an exhale. Yeah. You know, everything seems to just disappear <laughs> around you because it's so beautiful there, and it's 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 a real positive effect on your mood the minute you get into that beautiful surrounding. So, we do that. We do that weekend, and 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 the guys get to meet each other and um, get to talk, and then we put them together in a WhatsApp group afterwards, and everyone <laughs> goes on supporting each other long after long after the weekend. We have reunions, we have all kinds of other events, we have a monthly Zoom that everyone attends, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then we have our peer support program, which is um, telephone based peer support. And it was our response to COVID because we had to shut down our weekends. Of course. So 
we put together a telephone based peer support service and all of the volunteers that we've got that are trained are gentlemen that have been through our weekends so yeah. they know the strongman ethos and they're oh wow they've come through the weekend and they're now in such a, a more positive place they want to give back yeah so the impact of the weekend is huge it's life-changing and in a couple of cases that we've had life-saving you know they've been they've turned up suicidal and we've been able to sort of like talk to them and make them part of the bunch and they've left feeling completely different you know that's, that's incredible yeah. so yeah and the peer support service is going really well some really amazing results people dropping down from severe clinical ranges into the bottom clinical range and some even just disappearing out of clinical range altogether for depression and anxiety which is it's amazing and it's just that it is just that connection between two people that understand yeah. each other they don't even have to talk about their loss you know once they know each other as as lost you know once they know understand each other's bereavement it's kind of like just chat about the footy you know just chat <laughs> sure, about yeah. it's just it's just it's just a, a, a chat with somebody that you know on the other end of the phone you don't have to explain yourself to you just it's that feeling normal again so yes it's creating the camaraderie and creating that support network where like like you said earlier where you know when you went into the room with the six people that were that had been through similar experiences to you it's it's putting people in that environment so they you know they, mm. they they can look around and say you know what you relate to my situation right now so yeah, exactly I mean, yeah. when we're not reinventing the wheel you know we're not doing anything um fancy we're just simply putting people together and giving them a little framework to work to with regards to a bit of bit of a healthy lifestyle and some exercise uh, and like you say creating a support network that they they never thought would exist yeah that's incredible and that can be found at strongman.org.uk right yeah yep strongman.org.uk um and we've got lots of uh, lots of good things coming up in the summer a uh, couple of good campaigns that we've signed up uh, ronan keating with um wow. hopefully russell kane's on board troy deeney uh watford football club um yeah. brighton football clubs yeah so we're, we're signing people up every single day now it's going to be a real fun campaign called bear yourself um and it's going to be a case of you know men it's not stripping off entirely, but maybe bearing a part of their body yeah. and holding the struggling sign and bear yourself is that is that term for you know show your emotions, get it get it out there, um, and and try and encourage men who have, have lost uh, loved ones to talk about uh, talk about their loss. That's that that that's incredible, and I think that's a that's an excellent um, opportunity for anyone that's um, you know listening to the podcast, going through any bereavement right now. You know, please go and check out um, you know what dan's doing uh, over at the charity at strongmen it's strongmen.org.uk um yeah as 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 you can hear it's an, an incredible experience and um yeah i think that's an excellent time to to wrap up the interview dan i really appreciate your time um i know i caught you on the move caught you on the move between, between <laughs> football, so i appreciate you doing it in the car but good job we remembered i tell you honestly <laughs> I, I couldn't believe it one minute to seven <laughs> no i appreciate it anyway but but thanks ever so much for listening guys and uh, you can catch us on the next episode next week thank you cheers cheers